will be live. And we're almost live. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. As more often than not, what happens on Chef AJ Live is I get my guests from referral from other guests, and today is no exception. Today's guest was referred by the vegan publisher, Batali, and his name is Omaid Hawazi. Please welcome him to the show. Nice to meet you. Likewise, Chef AJ. Great to be on. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So why do you think Matali referred you to the show? Um, I don't know. I think we're trying to do some stuff that's interesting and, um, you know, maybe a little different. Uh, certainly uh, quite progressive to do with how to change things, um, you know, in the, in the ways that we as vegans want. Um, and, you know, I guess you may have thought it would be of interest. Well, that's fantastic because I always appreciate suggestions from past guests. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, when did you become vegan and why? Right. So I'm I'm 50, 54 now, actually. Uh, I recently had a birthday uh, and I turned vegan when I was about 24. So some years ago. And what it was, was I, I was already a vegetarian since it's being a teenager. I, I just didn't like the idea of animal flesh. Um, and then at that point in the UK, there were a load of protests of folks complaining about the export of live calves to France um, to for them to be raised as veal, turned into veal, um, because in the UK, it's illegal to do that, to keep them in crates. And I noticed that actually the people complaining weren't vegans. They were just kind of regular folks thinking this is appalling. And that kind of piqued my interest as a vegetarian thinking, what's going on here? Uh, when I looked into it and I saw how that industry was connected to the dairy industry, I thought, well, not in my name and, and, and just disconnected from all dairy overnight, really. I, I didn't know. I didn't realize how cruel uh, the dairy industry is. You know, you kind of, you know, in those days, being a vegetarian is what you did to be kind to animals. Uh, and uh the, 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 the bigger picture wasn't that obvious or visible as it is now. So that that was a long time ago when, you know, actually impossible meat didn't or impossible foods didn't exist. And, you know, actually a lot of people, when you said vegan, didn't know what you're talking about. So that was interesting. And I put it this way, I, th I think, you know, vegan options are, are by by uh, default now in most most places I go and uh, life's a bit different. You know, it's interesting because I've been vegan for 46 years, but I didn't even know the word for the longest time because I don't think there was a word. We just said we were vegetarian, even if we weren't eating dairy and eggs. That's what we said we were. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the I don't know the history of when the word was created, but it but it was created by, I think it was in the UK and someone just kind of contracted the word vegetarian and um Anyway, it'd be interesting to look up, wouldn't it? You know, I'll look, I think it was Donald Watson, you know, um, and I think you're right. He was he was English. Let's see, where did the word, I'm going to thank God for Google, right? But yeah. I think you're right. But I don't think I had learned it for many years. It said the word vegan was invented by Watson and Dorothy Morgan, a school teacher who would later marry. The word is based on the first three and the last two letters of vegetarian because it marked, in Mr. Watson's words, the beginning and the end of vegetarian. Absolutely. Interesting. I, I know. I know. In India, um, they talk about what we're talking about as vegan as pure vegetarian. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was quite an interesting way of looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point because we. I mean, we want if, if any any animals not eaten is a good thing. So fewer animals eaten is a good thing. But I always found it interesting when people became vegetarian out of compassion when as you mentioned the dairy industry might perhaps be the cruelest of all of the animal agriculture industries i mean certainly certainly that's how i feel about it you know with the um with the consciousness that cows have in particular losing their losing their children you know yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to me that, that, I mean, when you think about globally, how few people are vegan and even veg there's more vegetarians than vegan. But when you think of the whole population, 
it's not something that's on most people's radar, you know, and I don't know if it's, you know, why, is it the compassion you think? Is it just the, the addictive nature of certain animal products? Is it culture? Because I, you know, I would, it just seems like so logical to me that if you see a movie like Earthlings or Forks Over Knives, everybody go, oh yeah, that's right. But it, that's not how it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my, my, my view on it is it's cultural mainly and and that that's why it's so hard to change like people's identities are tied up in in their culture and they 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 take any change to what they do or their environment you know very personally and so it can be a big decision for people to shift those things because they think they're changing who they are um i you know i i think my view would be they're changing who they are for the better but you know i guess that's a a converse, you know like a different people have different views on that but that, that's why I think it's so difficult to even talk about with many people, because if you raise the topic, even people sometimes take it as a as, as a some kind of um, attack on them because you're saying that something um, you would make a different choice to them. And and so I, th- I think that's quite interesting. And, and actually, that's why in my head, while I think raising awareness uh, is fundamental of, of the issues. Um, I, I, I actually think that system change, changing things around people can have a huge impact and may, maybe even more, Frank. Well, actually, I would argue definitely more than than uh, purely kind of education and so on, because, you know, people will just take the defaults that they're used to and so on. And if those options shift, then people will take different options. You know, it's interesting is that. Um... You know, when I was 17, 46 years ago, nobody was talking about the environment at all in 1977. And now that is one of the reasons that especially I see younger people going vegan, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a so talking about if people accept the impact of animal agriculture and in, in particular industrial animal agriculture on, on climate and climate change, then it becomes a universal truth that you know we can all i mean put it this way i think anyone who doesn't think that that climate change is happening uh, uh, probably difficult to have any kind of rational discussion with Uh, but if you can connect connect animal agriculture with climate change it becomes a a unifying kind of topic for i would say for the rational (laughs) and and even if people don't emotionally switch their habits overnight it gives them a kind of direction that that most people think well maybe i should change my behavior a bit so it's not the same as 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 having an objective based on uh justice animal justice and uh, but but actually it's i would argue it's progress i mean you know yeah you know i thought it was so interesting because i never influenced anyone to become vegan or vegetarian throughout most of my life yet you know when the movie forks over knives came out so many people jumped on the bandwagon because, it, you know, in a way it's it's kind of sad because it wasn't until there was something in it for them. In other words, they saw that they could get off medication, improve their health. Because when I went vegan, the only reason to go vegan was, you know, out of animal ethics or compassion. I mean, because like I said, the conversation of the environment was not around in the seventies and I didn't care about my health because I was a junk food vegan. So I think it's interesting to see how veganism has evolved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I, my, my, my workouts. You know, my let's put it this way: my career is in uh, advertising and marketing. You know, outside the project we're talking about. And uh, one thing I've learned very well through doing that for a long time is if you want people to be engaged and then act on something, usually with advertising, buy something uh, or create a habit to use something. You have to very much appeal to benefits, which are really, really powerful to the individual or big groups of people. And yeah, I mean, if 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 in your if in your view of the world, humans are in a certain position, and non-human animals are in a different position, are are subordinate or or less important or irrelevant according to some hierarchy that you've learned since since being a kid, because you know, in all of the kids' books that you that, that we have, there's a kind of nuclear family, and then they have pet animals, and then they have other animals, uh, which, you know, have another, you know, which, which they eat, and so on. 
that that hierarchy is very clear in people's minds and and actually shifting that uh, is difficult but then also what it means if that hierarchy is clear then you think then maybe maybe making these choices you know doesn't matter because actually those animals are there for that purpose and that's what i've grown up to believe you know so i can understand how it happens um but but i i i uh, uh, it doesn't make you know put it this way it, uh, it doesn't make sense to me and actually this that you know taking the conversation to climate even though it misses the point uh, it in many ways i would argue is 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 easier for people to um you know to take on board when, when that kind of level of habit is so deeply ingrained in people i mean one 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 angle on it as well is price you know the cost of food the reality is if you if you factor in the total cost of cleaning up the mess of um, animal agriculture, in particularly industrial animal agriculture, then, you know, actually the, the, the meat uh, and dairy and so on would not be, you know, you, you, it, it would not be economic to buy it if you actually paid the whole cost. You know, if the cost included the impact on the climate for a steak, a beef steak, then, then actually who would buy one? You know, and, and so and so they're being subsidized. And actually, in many ways, um, the model, the models, the farming and eating models we have is throwing the cost into the future, which is kind of, you know, it's hard. To, it, it's quite a, you know, what I've just described obviously isn't a straightforward thing and, and it won't be in people's minds. But but I can see I can see why habits are there as they are now. You said um, you did. What is your work exactly? And how do you incorporate your ethics of veganism into your work? Yeah, I mean, so like I, I, what I've done is I, I've had a career in in advertising digital agencies. And so that's doing those campaigns where, you know, people get to hear about products and then and then, you know, sort of think that they would like to try them, you start using them and then maybe create habits around them. And I would say that actually, while I don't I've never worked on products, which I I despise. Um, I, you know, if you work in a company and a job comes in, you kind of all have to get involved. And um, and over that over that journey, I've learned quite a lot about how to how to kind of communicate clearly to people, how to how to get them to, um, you know, see the value in something, see the personal benefit in, in some product or some service or some idea um, and then and then and then be drawn into it. I would say that actually I haven't been able to reflect my, um, you know, my, my views in terms of, you know, animal justice and veganism very much at all, other than kind of, you know, jumping on if any particular piece of work had to do with, um, you know, it was in that space, I would, I would kind of get very involved and do, do the best work I could. But one thing I would say is in that journey, which um, is, you know, I would argue a very, you know, I mean, fundamentally, what you're doing is driving growth in, in capitalist companies. That's what you're doing. That's the job. You know, that's what advertising does. Doesn't mean it's always does bad things, because it depends what that business does, whether it, you know, pays its way, whether it does good and whether it can, you know, you know, um, you know helps people achieve stuff or, you know, and, and not all products do at all, but but some do. But but the, what I realized actually is that there's in that journey there is a sweet spot sometimes which if you if you if you if you find it where a company or a product can do good, you know, and it could be good in environmental sense, uh, it could be good health ways for individuals, it could be good in terms of a social impact sense, um, and if you're smart enough to align that with the thing that drives purchase or growth then you're kind of winning because the more the more the more you succeed um, in terms of growing your business the more good you do and if you can align the two uh, you know then for me that's a kind of beautiful sweet spot and i came through that that journey thinking well where are where are the opportunities where you can align those two things together you know because if i'm going to spend my time doing you know doing work then why don't i do work that's like that rather than you know just random you know stuff to i mean the the the, the most uh, bizarre things is when when you have sometimes you get these consumer products where you know say um uh, what's it called um that stuff you put in uh, uh in, in with your washing to make everything um everything softer and smell nicer like so, uh, fabric softener 
Yeah, like fabric softener. So um, some of the clients I'd work on would have a range of fabric softeners, which are all the same product in different in different smells. And so you choose one of those. Um, and sometimes the new news was they'd come out with a different fragrance. <laughs> and I was like, why, why am I spending my time trying to create interest in a category where nobody's interested because the new news they've come up with is they've come up with a different formulation for the smell. And I'm thinking, well, okay, fine. It does create interest and gives a reason to purchase and all that. And I'm, but also I'm thinking really is that, is there not, you know, there's better ways to spend one's time when one's, one's alive. And so that's where I got to, I, I don't, I don't have a problem at all with commerciality if I'm honest. Uh, but, but I think that there's a, I'm very passionate about finding where kind of commercial models can align with positive impact um, because I think that there's a there's a sweet spot there. Not enough people pursue that, or if they do pursue it, it's entirely cynical. It's not in the core of what the business does. Yeah, you you add the title of every day's broadcast. I let the guests choose it, and you chose the title "A Sustainable Future for Farming." What do you mean by that? And you mentioned you might have a few slides if you wanted to share. That might be a good idea. Right. Yeah. I mean. Okay. So um, I I I. I wanted to think about uh, what I could do around farming um, and in particular with the objective of um, uh, let's say reducing or removing animal agriculture so certainly removing industrial animal agriculture but obviously you know I'm a vegan and, and actually I've, I've spent some of my time in recent years doing activism, you know, I've stayed, I've stayed away from the, um, you know, the kind of upfront stuff because of, you know, need, I need to, you know, I've got others, you know, I, 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 I help in the background, let's say, uh, on, on a few things. Um, my daughters actually all got involved in doing protests and things like that. And that kind of, you know, kind of pushed me along to find ways that I could have an impact. So I did that. And then I thought, well, is there a bigger way I could have an impact? And so animal agriculture was the thing. And when I when I looked into it, I did some research and I, I worked with a consultancy. And, the, you know, it, it's, it, it is the truth that animal agriculture creates a huge proportion of global greenhouse gas emissions. And it is the truth that animal agriculture, um, well, uh, uh, farming in general, including animal agriculture, um, is barely profitable and the question in my mind is is there a way to change the way that animal agriculture or the way that farming happens to reduce or remove animal agriculture which could coincide with the farmers making more money um and and that was the question i had because i you know and actually is that change the removal of animals and the you know the the shift of the uh, of practice towards um you know um practice you know rotation based arable uh regenerative farming as i discovered it in this journey um and other 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 kind of aspects of uses of the land which are which are carbon positive and uh monetizable from a kind of carbon and biodiversity point of view and that was the that was the question that i came to so um Working with working with a few people, I, I I kind of found along the way, we've put together this project called Refarm Fund, and uh, I'm just I'll just show you a few slides very very quickly if that's okay. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. So, can you see that? Okay. Yes, it just making the other format be perfect. Yeah. 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 So slideshow. Perfect. Almost perfect. It's just loading. Okay, oh, so we get yeah, nice. great. Nice. So, so Refarm Fund is we we describe the sustainable future for farming, and by sustainable we mean both financially sustainable because farmers, you know, or generally unless they're the kind of big nasty industrial farmers are, are on a knife on a knife edge commercially financially, but then also shifting farming to being environmentally positive. So i.e. Uh, reducing, uh, uh, making it carbon positive and so on. And one thing you'll notice actually is that in this presentation I'm going to go through, the word vegan doesn't come, at, come up at all. And that's very deliberate. So 
Brief Arm Fund provides finance and expertise to accelerate the transition to regenerative and sustainable farming approaches and more. Um, and the point here is that farmers uh, are in difficult financial situations, have challenges raising finance to uh, at all, but certainly to tran transition to different kinds of farming. Um, and then also they have problems in monetizing their positive um, impact on the environment. Um, so what we what we do as Refarm Finder, what we plan to do is to create some core technology that that looks at different kinds of farm transitions away from, um, let's say, carbon environmentally negative uh, practices, which are animal agriculture and intense arable, you know, strongly um, uh, arable with uh, it, intense monoculture farming supported by in, um, chemical fertilizers and pesticides and shifting that through to um, rotation-based arable, what's, what's often referred to as regenerative farming, you know, old-style farming, um, and then also factoring in the opportunities around renewable energy projects and then also uh, as I said before, the monetization of, 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 those, of those changes. Um, and actually, when you look at the actual problem, it's, it's, it's very, very clear. You know, um, we did a load of research, uh, some of our own research, as well as stuff that's been published um, in terms of, you know, conventional farming, let's say, and, and the fact that it produces huge amounts of greenhouse gases, um, the farmers are under huge stress. They, they damage the, you know, industrial farming damages the land. Um, the fact that regenerative approaches, uh, you know, uh, sustainable approaches, not only capture carbon but also increase profits, and you know, over time rebuild the soil health. Um, but you know, what we found was that farmers and you know generally uh, can you know anxious about trying new things because of a lack of knowledge uh, access of capital and then you know all of those things linked together is actually maybe um you know a, an, a, an amount of investment overall required which is too big a risk to, to move forwards even though you know actually the promises are great and big um some more research that we we found which kind of looked into a little more detail about why farmers might be thinking about giving up because actually you know it's not there's not in it enough it, enough in it for them um, about the kinds of um, things that farmers would prioritize in in changing what their farming would be like and then also what they see as the risks um, as well as what they need to move forwards so off the back of that we've developed a proposition that looks like this i mean certainly conceptually it looks like this the core of it is it's a financial product, it's transition finance, so that farmers can um, uh, work uh, with us as a broker where they'll um, have the opportunity to, um, uh, via a, a, a plan, a transition plan, uh, seek the assistance they need financially in terms of expertise to, to do that. So the core is transition finance, what they'll do in parallel with that is run their farm with land management solutions that may be ours or working with partners. They'll have access to, to farming expertise. So we have one model where that's available, uh, regenerative farming expertise, that's available in, in, through individuals, but also we're looking at an AI um, uh, way through that as well with, with you know, with a, um, um, you know, where farmers can ask questions and, and AI uh, will be able to give them uh, extensive answers. And then finally, access to a net, what we call the refarm network. So the opportunity to monetize the environmental, positive environmental impact they have, access to the renewable energy projects uh, and, and other things. Um, down the line, when we build the app, it might look a bit like this, where on the left-hand side, they're making a loan, um, you know, they're typing their basic details about their farm, um, uh, you know, what kind of land it is and so on. Uh, and then the kind of loan that they think they need, 
Um, and then we'll, you know, the, the, the system would give them indicative terms on that loan. Uh, in the middle there is just a view of what uh, land management, uh, the land management stage would look like where their farms are coded onto a map and their, their fields are coded onto a map and the various stages of the transition are, are logged as they go. And then on the right is a view um, of the loan outstanding. And the key difference here is the um, carbon and biodiversity um, credits that they that they that they accrue uh, sit in an account and effectively offset the loan amounts, reducing the cost of capital. So in that scenario, uh, like I said before, it, it's uh, it's a way of of turning doing good into commercial success. Yeah, and what we're trying to do is align align those two. A little bit below the bonnet about how it works. So you know we have we have um, uh, a load of inputs to do with how uh, the finances will work to do uh, and actually the project is uh, you know we're working within a section of Barclays Bank in the UK called Rise it's a fintech incubator um, and getting some, some support from them about the, the criteria uh, and the way that the um, the loans would be um, the, the technology and, and financial requirements for for accessing the loans. We're also doing our, some of our own research around farming analytics. So working with a number of farmers to understand their um, farming methods and where in particular farmers who've done transitions in the recent past, how the various uh, business plan for each year of the transition has gone in terms of uh, reduced or increased inputs and outputs. Um, and then finally, um, with the same folks uh, to measure the environmental impact, the point being this kind of clever calculator in the middle can look at historical data and then also, and the point is when a, a new opportunity comes in, it'll be able to give an indication of, of the, of the you know, potential likely outcomes of that transition from a, you know, in, uh, from a profit point of view, but then also, um, you know, in terms of the uh, potential uh, opportunity around um, the carbon and biodiversity impacts and monetizing those things. You can see that, you know, broadly speaking, what we're doing is looking to benchmark the difference in um, the farming um, activities. So some of these are labor costs, some of them are, are, are costs of avoiding costs of pesticides and fertilizers. Um, and, um, and then it comes down also to what the, what the yield is in the end. So obviously shifting, one thing that's super interesting is even if you start ignoring, ignoring kind of livestock, but if you start with intense arable and shift to rotation-based arable, your, your returns go up, although your output goes down. So the amount you produce every year goes down, but actually because it's so much less cost of inputs and labor and supplying, you know, spraying all that uh, pesticide and fertilizer, you actually end up make more, making more money based on the amount that you've invested uh, and so on. Um, and this is also true for livestock, but obviously the, the thing with livestock is the you know, huge negative environmental impact of doing it as, as, as we all know. Um, going forwards, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we will target different groups of farmers, um, in particular, uh, starting in the UK where we are, um, some of this community are, are people already on board, regenerative farmers, others we, we've called here younger farmers. So these are farmers who may be the kind of new generation, maybe, uh, maybe uh, their future is to take on the farm that the family's had for many years. Uh, maybe they, 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 they've branched out on their own and they're, and they're renting some land elsewhere. Um, but they, from experience, seem to be the ones with, you know, the, the most, let's say the less less friction in terms of trying new things and then um, agribusinesses so businesses who aren't necessarily focused on farming the land but actually are looking at efficiency and we see a scenario with this where where actually we can support a bunch of those guys who have a positive carbon impact um, and create great uh, uh, grow huge volumes of uh, of, of uh, vegetables fruit and vegetables for, for people to eat the issue there is obviously making sure the energy required for those huge 
greenhouses comes from renewable projects as opposed to uh, uh, off the grid um, and so on, both from a cost and from an environmental, environmental impact point of view. Um, to get down the line, what we're doing is building out a bunch of research, uh, a series of case studies. This is the first tranche. One of our, one of our team is a Cambridge academic and he's overseeing this. Um, and um, yeah, the point here is to, is to capture a, 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 a large number of farm transition case studies, um, initially uh, identifying the problem very carefully, um, building out you know, the, the study amongst many, many farmers. Initially, you know, here we're talking about 10 to 15 initially, uh, and, then, and then building it out. Where we are at the moment is looking to see, see the ways in which we can hugely upscale this activity because that's core to us, uh, our success. Um, just to kind of quickly flash up the core team, myself, uh, a, a governance expert, Gordon, uh, Carl Magnus, who's the uh, Cambridge academic, who's uh, overseeing the farm data, and Olivia Spinkle, who's uh, overseeing our um, uh, approach to sustainability and supply chain. So um, that gives you a kind of quick overview of, of where we're at um, uh, as, as a concept. Um, you know, and as you can see from the point of view of uh, what I was explaining to do with um, what I had, the insight I'd got from my um, kind of commercial work in agencies is, um, it, you know, and other commercial work I've done is, is there a way of, of finding opportunities in business which have positive impacts, but also align with, um, you know, financial objectives. The point being um, that um, it's very, very, you, you, you'll, you'll get a lot more done, put it that way. And it's a pragmatic view. I, I tell you the, um, the can, can, Chef AJ, is it okay if I just digress a bit? Because the, 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 the moment... The moment, the moment, sorry, I've talked a lot, but the moment that it really came to me when I was in agencies and I worked for some big agencies was um, uh, at the time, this is some years ago, um, you, you know, there's a nappies brand called Pampers. I don't know if you have it in the US. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, diapers. That's mm -hmm. so, yeah, diapers. Yeah, yeah. So it's very popular. So for many years, they had a they had a promotion on, on, on Pampers in many countries called One Pack, One Vaccine. And what it was was if if someone bought these uh, these the, a pack of Pampers, um, obviously they cost a bit more than other ones. And you know, actually, I'm not sure on their environmental credentials. Uh, I I suspect they're better now than they were then, but I don't think there was any positive environmental choice at the time. Um, but what it did do is promise to have a, a a child in the developing world vaccinated. So that had this kind of huge emotional value um, for uh, the person buying the, the 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 Pampers, and for many years this drove huge amounts of sales of Pampers. Now, um, what that did was it took the budget that would have been uh, for a competition to go to Disneyland or something like that, you know, or a free plastic thing with every purchase or whatever, and put that as a budget to a a NGO. In a, in a developing country to deliver vaccines to kids. And, and I thought that was magic. And when I heard that, I thought, wow. And I was actually, there was another client that came to us and said, look, we want a copy of this. We want a copy of this. And, you know, and I, I said to them, um, look, what we need to do, like we, 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 I was in a meeting with a client and um, uh, we, we'd done a load of work for, 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 I won't mention who this other client is, but we'd done a load of work about what this program could be like for their, for their products. And um, I, I needed to understand, you know, actually what's the heart of this? Like, what do they need to do? Because we talked about various objectives and I wanted to know what they wanted to maximize. Yeah. What was the real driver of this, of this activity? And it, it, the various options I'd put on the screen varied from do more good all the way through to make more profit. Yeah. And various scenarios in the middle. And I kind of put it to them saying, look, can you guys kind of say like, where are you at with this? And 
they all went quiet. And then the senior client um, looked up at me and said, make more profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as you can tell, my reaction, I didn't express it at the time in a client meeting, but my reaction was extremely negative. But when I went away to think about it, I realized she was completely right. Like the only thing that matters in that business is to make more profit. Now, what, what, what she was saying was that this needs to make money. Otherwise, it's a one off. <laughs> yeah. And w- when I came away from that, I was thinking, because, you know, all that other stuff, you know, generally we call it greenwash. Yeah. It, they, people say some company says we're doing this great thing. It's going to help the local people. It's going to help the people in that place. You know, whatever. You know, we're going to change the amount of water we use one day a year, whatever. Like they have a press release and then and then um, they just go back to what they were doing anyway. It's meaningless. But this is this is the thing that 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 was the thing that happened that really crystallized the thought for me, saying, well, actually, if you can make the doing good part of the way you just do business and what you what you do for business is to make money and you know don't you know i'm very clear having spoken to many farmers like they love the land they love their traditions but actually they're business folk they need to make money they're in it to make money it's a job you know it's it's a business they and the more money they make the more choice the more stuff they can buy and so on and actually we don't like talking about that but there's nothing wrong with that at all of course they need to make money you know um, but the, the, in my mind, the trick is how to make it, how to align some kind of positive trans- impact with, 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 with that. And then the whole thing becomes a no brainer. Now, yeah, I mean, I, I've talked quite a lot. Now, one, one thing you might say to me is, why haven't I not mentioned the word vegan in all of that? Well, actually, it's a good way to stop any conversation. In my mind, with, particularly with these folks, in my mind, there comes a point where they're making the transition plans and 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 they've got the choice of different choices and if if they take animals out then actually they make more money <laughs> then it becomes a choice you know and uh, and I, I i think this whole thing just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy by by setting up the system in that way i mean that that's where it all comes from well, where are you in this process of, of realizing this dream? So, yeah, we're doing this research to, to let's say, gear up the, the engine. Uh, and uh, what we're looking to do is up, uh, up increase, the, increase the intensity of that research. We're doing it by building out our network with partners who can uh, walk us in to farm it, farmers and, and, and allow us to access more data. And we're also looking at ways of getting some grant funding from the UK government to help to help do that. Um, so we're in, we're in the middle of that cycle at the moment uh, of doing that. Really, what we what we what we need to do is get uh, very, very confident about the amount of data we have, not because what we're saying isn't true. It's just that, you know, if if we're going to have people make business decisions on on uh, on on our data, it needs to be done to a certain level of um, uh, 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 reli- reliability. So a big enough study so that can happen. So we're doing that work and then and then we'll be able to move forwards from there. Here's an interesting question from Carlene. How can we tell which companies are environmentally responsible and which are just greenwashing? Oh, that's so difficult. Uh, I, 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 yeah, it's so difficult. I, <laughs> I, um, oh gosh, <laughs> um, how would I do it? Well, I would assume they're greenwashing, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, but if they're a large corporate, I, I, I would ask myself, you know, uh, how intrinsic, how intrinsic is your claim to what you do? You know, like so, um, you know, if they're saying um, actually they have you know, some positive impact in some way. Um, is that just like an advertising line? Um, or actually, is it really, really deep in what they say and what they do? Um, I, I guess uh, um, it's hard. To, it's, it's like, put, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite cynical about, about it all, if I'm honest, until a business kind of really says, you know, actually every day we do this as opposed to, you know, I think sometimes if you see a claim and you just Google the claim and try and get to what the evidence was, 
sometimes it just falls apart and and you realize actually they've taken some small statistic and turned it into a big claim but that does require a bit of kind of kind of looking into some reports and so on so i if i'm honest i i think i think it's quite difficult uh, yeah. uh any 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 business that 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 produces animal products and and says either <laughs> In my view, either they're good for you or, or they're good for the planet. <laughs> Isn't telling the truth, <laughs> but I think most of most people listening here will, will, I think, would agree with that anyway. So, if we can find a way that they can make as much or more money, they would do it. That's the key, isn't it? Well, I mean, what, why, why have, why have, why have the large kind of consumer products companies all brought out uh, plant-based ranges? And you know, uh, are looking to increase those plant-based ranges. Why? Why are vegan independent supermarkets having a problem now? Because um, actually, in the regular supermarkets, there are more and more plant-based food. It's because it's a kind of growing commercial opportunity that they're looking to realise. You know, and so so that that kind of tidal wave is happening. It just makes me like I, the, where I live. I always. I always support the local vegan uh, supermarket as well as going to the big supermarket, you know, on a regular basis, because I'm thinking, well, I can see what's happening here. But um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't think like a, a commercial company, well, um, com- commercial companies aren't aren't constructed to do good. They're constructed to make money. So if, um, you know, we can, if we realize that, then actually that's our opportunity to, um, you know, influence them by what matters to them, put it that way. Um, that this, partic- this idea reform fund, which I, I've shared today, is like a different angle on that, where, where the companies we're looking to influence are farmers, you know, and looking to say, well, you know, what do you need? Um, how's this good for you? And, and encouraging you to move in that particular direction. You know, so... Uh, you know that I I I guess I I guess it's uh, you know put your money where your mouth is put it that way you know s- spend your money uh, on things that you believe in and the system will see there's an opportunity there and chase the opportunity I think in broad terms um, I do think actually if if we kind of talk about veganism again as climate change gets worse as it is. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the temperatures we saw last week and the week before. I think the two hottest days ever in the world were two weeks ago or two or three hottest days ever. And in, in Europe, uh, there's uh, huge problems in, in many uh, Mediterranean countries, which are the breadbasket that kind of grow quite a lot of the vegetables across Europe. Uh, I, I, I think um, when we're in that, those kinds of environments, that the market dynamics change change anyway. So if you've got the option to grow food for people or food for animals, and there's a limited opportunity to grow food, what are you gonna what are you gonna grow the food for? And um, you know, uh, so I can see things moving in that direction anyway. As 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 there's a limit to the amount of or, or where where the land is viable for growing huge amounts of crops and 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 so on. Um, the other factor I think that's happening is to do with um, visibility of the total cost of, of, of food. This hasn't happened, but it's being discussed where uh, where uh, if a particular food has an additional cost, then why not bake that cost into the cost of the food? I, it hasn't happened in the UK. I think it's being dis- it has been discussed. And I think it may have happened or is being discussed in the US to have a sugar tax. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure about that, but that I'll, I'll see if that's true. That could make yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm being careful about what I say, because I think it may I, I think there may be some particular places where it's been implemented. But in other places, it's just been discussed. But the idea that a particular product has, um, you know, a, a, a long term impact on type two diabetes or category products. Then, then why not why not bake that cost in to the cost of the product and disincentivize people to buy it and then also pay for the impact well i i i personally don't think it's that many stages away from of from from that happening to um you know let's say animal products and and so on in terms of their environmental impact um 
And we'll see, because to be honest with you, if that happens, like I said, right at the beginning, if we pay the full full cost of those things, I, I, I think that most people would not buy them. And if they did buy them, that we'd be back to, let's say, um, the amount that they ate, so people on average ate several hundred years ago, which is once or twice a year, which, which uh, for me, uh, counts as progress. You know, being a pragmatist does count as progress. So I think there's different ways through it. I'm just talking more philosophically now about the way that I think that this uh, world, you know, the way that different factors will go. Um, one of the one of the things I discovered talking about climate change and farming um, is I, I recently was in discussions with some some farming folks in in northern Europe in Denmark, and they they one of the comments that they said was that farmland in Denmark is already increasing in price on anticipation that um, in Southern Europe, it's going to become less farmable or unfarmable. So currently places which are colder um, are going to become warmer and are going to be more relied on in Europe as, as the breadbasket than the current kind of, let's say uh, Mediterranean. So the kind of the great weather and, and so on, you know, the, the perfect um, uh, environment for agriculture uh, because of those things. And, you know, that's going to be very interesting that'll affect the us as well I mean, quite a lot the, the the areas which will be farmable will shift you know because it's just the same parallel um around the, around the globe you know um and i you know i i don't personally i don't think that those changes are decades away i think they're a few years five years away you know i think you can see it happening now um and um you know and I would argue uh, shifting in the way that we're talking about a refarm fund um, is just going ahead of that uh, ahead of that cycle. Um, it's stopping wasting, you know, land on to grow feed for animals <laughs> um, when you could just, you know, use less land and, and grow food for people. Um, it, you know, stopping using so much water when it's a scarce resource. Um, stopping polluting the planet with chemicals, you know, and actually trying to trying to kind of you know see how farming can have a positive impact in terms of um, you know greenhouse greenhouse gases and the and the changes the decelerating the changes that are happening around around greenhouse gases. Wow, how can people help you or or support your work, and where can they find you? Do you have a social media presence? Do you have a website? Yeah, but the best thing at the moment is 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 um, to go to refarm.fund uh, uh, on the web and just just drop a message. You can email me directly, omaid, O-M-A-I-D, at refarm.fund, uh, R-E-F-A-R-M dot F-U-N-D. Um, if you do that, uh, we, we, can, we can have a conversation. Specifically, the piece which we're focused on now, I'm very interested in any folks who want to get involved or support the project broadly. Um, in terms of conceptually and where they think our go-to-market could best work. But specifically, the piece we're looking at is, is accelerating this, this study. So uh, folks who are connected to similar organizations who have data, who may be able to be partners or collaborate, and so on around that. Also, if you, you know, if you have experience in farming and you know, would like to help us with uh, that study so get involved to actually kind of be involved in overseeing the various parties who are going to be doing aspects of the study very very happy to talk um i'm i'm so you know put it this way this i i work on several things and this is a real passion project for me so i'm gonna keep it keep it uh you know moving till till we get you know get things to happen and get traction doing it what do you think of vegan activism do you think it's effective so I think as a marketing guy, uh, I, I, I've got a view about different stages of, 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 um, of behavior change, let's say. And I think that um, creating awareness of a topic is one, one piece of the puzzle. Um, I don't think it necessarily drives change directly. I think I think you know. So I I, I think the uh, you know people who are my personal friends and and stuff I've done myself to do with drawing attention um, uh, has its role, and I don't think should stop. Um, but I don't think that any any of us should think that that's the job done at all. 
that that you know it might be that changes the conversation um to some extent for for a period of time but actually the conversation needs to you know that that conversation needs to move into solutions um you know most people um you know so say you're talking about diets um you know people like the taste of meat you know people are constantly telling me how they like it um, that's just people, the weirdest thing to me i gotta say even when yeah. i ate it i didn't like it so i guess there's i'm unusual that way yeah i mean similar to me when i gave it up at 15 i thought there's something wrong with this it wasn't it wasn't an animal thing it was just i don't know initially it was just like this is horrible i don't know but um but the um but that's what people people you know uh, find it delicious and all that they're very used to it and so on I so, think they find the sugar, fat, and salt delicious because most people just don't eat raw meat. We're not carnivores, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, they yeah, like, they like, yeah, to, absolutely. you know, they like the way. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, I, they, I think about that old saying. You know, give it, put a, a carrot and a bunny in a in a playpen with a kid and see which ones they eat. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm 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 just giving them a bit of space to understand them rather than I uh, don't agree with it at all. Obviously. Um, but but you know so that someone in that scenario um you know uh, is unlikely to suddenly have an, an epiphany and think i'm eating my friends yeah uh, i'm eating someone who is is another person who i should you know, I, I respect my dog and my cat but i do not respect this uh, cow that i've never met yeah uh, and that that's a huge thing to change in someone's mind if they're not if they're not there so you know i i th i think that what, where where they get to is well, actually, this other stuff tastes good. It's it's you know it doesn't cost too much. It's easy to get. It's you know it, it. Someone told me it's good for me. Well, I kind of you know I think that's that, that's quite good. And and actually, quite a lot of them will come. To be frank, I think they won't all come until it's so expensive that it's not available to them. And you know, as a marketing guy, I kind of think, well, don't focus on the people who are stuck because they're, they're it's a you know focus on focus on the people you can bring you know who are open to it you know so um you know like you know when you see these kind of arguments in social media about kind of you know very you know strong advocates of for animals versus you know the people the other way that's entirely pointless because the people the other way aren't going to shift their position ever <laughs> you know um you know in the sense of why why would we spend our time even talking to those people they're pointless it's a waste of time it's more talking to the you know or influencing people who you know think well actually maybe i do eat too much meat maybe maybe this isn't very good for me maybe 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 and then actually once the convert once the awareness is there then it's a case of solutions you know um so i i i you know i i know different people have different views on it i i, I wouldn't say stop i just say make activism smarter um focus on the takeout focus on focus on the people you can influence um you know with political campaigning you know whether it's on the left or on the right the people who get the people who decide the election are the people in the middle not not the people on the left or the right you know so they're the people you can influence and it i don't right now it's it's that that's what that's where we're at you know we're not we're not you know uh, we're not um you know that 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 that's what we should think about in terms of when when we're doing when we're doing activism but as i said and i'll say it again is that what it comes down to then after that is very much um what are the solutions e enablement access to food um making it an easy choice um if it's business you know business make it so that it's a no-brainer financially well you can do take this on and actually you have access to more more revenue or or actually you'll make more money and so on you know and I, I i don't we're a creative bunch we just need to think that way you know I, I don't i don't think i don't think it's beyond the realms of you know our community to to do that you know i i, I would say that you know sometimes uh my you know particularly in activism my some of my friends who are let's say more on the left um find it difficult to hear me when i'm talking about influencing companies because you know because in the end you know um that it's not the way that they see the world you know that those individuals see the world um and but i don't mind that's up to them you know i'm, I'm just talking about what i think is is a good way it's a good way forwards to 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 drive system change you know 
and and it comes down to it comes down to kind of make you know for companies um it comes down to kind of showing them the business model showing them it works it's better than what they're doing now or um or setting something up which they can see works better than what they're doing now so they then copy it in which case job done you know <laughs> imagine imagine we've got refund fund to get to a cert, only to a certain size of business but actually we we pr very publicly that our, the farmers that we've helped make more money than others that would have a huge impact impact on on the wider community of farmers and we wouldn't have to even talk to them they'll just get dragged along you know sucked along uh, but by the positive message uh, that we're talking about i mean that's why i think you know like I, th those films i'm i'm really affected by those kind of strong strong activist slaughterhouse films but also but but a lot of people are affected by films like change makers i think it's called where they're talking about um have I got the name right? Um, I may have the uh, name wrong. Game changers. Game changers. Yeah, game, game changers. They're making me. a sequel. Yeah, right. But the, the point there is, okay, famous people um, doing brilliantly in whatever they do and are vegan or plant-based. Yeah? Easy to identify with and aspire to. Okay, fine. You're not educating them in animal justice. You're just dragging them along through the benefits. But I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't think any vegan should. If it works, then that's fine, you know? Um, sorry, what, what, what's your, what, could I ask you, Chef AJ, what, what's your view on, 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 uh, on activism? Are, are you in a similar place or? You know, I, I think everyone has to do it in the way they're comfortable. And I, I, you know, when I was younger, remember I'm doing this for 46 years, as a matter of fact, I'm what they call the OG. I don't know if you can see this button, the old vegan. Yeah. I did more of the uh, frontline activism. I worked with Last Chance for Animals and we did, I, I never would do civil disobedience because I never wanted to get arrested, not because I didn't believe in the cause, but then who would take care of my pets at home, right? I wasn't married, but I did, I did what was called direct action where you do, you go up to the point where the police officer says, if you go one step further, you'll be arrested. I was, I never went. And, and, you know, it, it, part of you feels good doing it, but I'm not so sure those kind of things are effective. Like, you know, there are groups that like would destroy lab laboratories where animal research was happening. And while in theory, I'm happy for that to free the animals, they just build more laboratories. You know what I mean? I, I, so I, I, I think people have to do what what is in their heart. Like one of I feel like people that do animal rescue though, like they're to me, they're the angels on earth, like because that is so sad. So I, I think I I have mixed feelings, you know. I I mean because is it effective? That's the thing. I have a friend that does all the protests and, and, and it's great, but is it effective? See, to me, the, it, the, the fact that it is becomes effective is the most, is more important than just doing it because it makes you feel good making a statement. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, to totally. And, and I, I, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd support my kind of strong activist friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, there comes a point where you think, are you, are you making an ideological point or are you trying to make change? You know, and, and if you step back. Because, then... you know, I mean, like, I mean, like we do quiet activism, for example, we don't own a fly swatter. We have an, a relocation program. My husband is an expert at taking a bag, catching the fly and bringing it outside. We right. don't kill spiders. We have something called a bugzooka. It's a fantastic thing. It, it looks like a gun, but it, what it does is it, it sucks them up gently and then you can relocate them. So, so, you know, things like that, but I, I just, I guess I'm at the point now that I'd rather just do this show than go out and protest on the front lines. I did it when I was younger and I, and I'm happy for people to do it, but again, does it, does it affect change? And for me, that's the most important thing. Does it get people to change? What gets people to change? And that's what I'd like to know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, the stuff, the, um, I mean, saving individual animals is obviously amazing uh, for those individuals um so, and I, I agree with you that you know in the, in the various scenarios where animals are, are released from different you know whatever environment they're in i think some sometimes i when i've been in like as you in, involved in those kind of protest type activism i'm always in the background because you know for for, for the reasons similar reasons to you um but one thing I say to them is, is if if we don't get the message broadcast at scale, there's no point, you know, and actually you need to be careful about what the message is, because obviously the media is not on your side. And, you know, so the creativity comes into 
what you know what in what what intervention can you make which is most likely to create the content that's most likely to kind of get on broadcast and be shared widely on social media and so the thinking around that actually is to do is is to do with messaging and marketing more than the actual um you know any kind of vegan thinking it's like what you know what 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 context is most likely to get people talking and how quickly can you take that context into the into the message you want to take forwards so it becomes quite sophisticated kind of media thinking actually and I, and I see the groups out there now doing that really really well there's quite a few in the UK and I, I think there's you know actually there's a number in the US still doing it but but but, but if you know to be honest with you like I I, I I'm never going to support McDonald's but I, you know, I, them having a plant burger does a lot for us. Yeah, I get yeah. it. That's, that, that could be a whole nother show. And, yeah. you know, I feel like if, if people just go vegan to me, that's, that's enough. If that's all they want to do in their lifetime is just stop eating animals. God bless them. That's kind yeah. of how I feel about it. So, well, this has been very interesting and I wish you every success in your project. Thank you. Thank you, Chef AJ. I'm just really curious, before, oh, before I let you go, I know you're not where you, you normally live in England, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And have you seen an increase in veganism since you've, you know, since you've become vegan there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I was alluding to earlier, I, I, I think now when you say the word vegan, people know what you're talking about. You do get a negative reaction as well as a positive one. Because, you know, actually, it's uh, it's it's been a it's, it's one of those words that's been kind of turned into a culture war thing. Um, but actually, the positive side is that in any in any restaurant, you, you, they, they'll, they'll have a they'll have a vegan menu uh, alongside. And generally speaking, it won't be stuff with the, the same things with stuff taken out. It'll be good stuff, you know. Um, and then also, uh, like I said earlier, in terms of the supermarkets and the and the consumer products companies, I think um uh there's loads and loads of plant-based options now and it's increasing one thing i will say is that because that's happening it has a weird effect on the vegan small vegan supermarkets and some vegan restaurants so the fact that there's more plant-based foods in a regular restaurant actually in some instances means that some vegan own some vegan places have trouble with their custom and footfall um, you know, both supermarkets and, and, and in, independent restaurants. And I just say to anyone listening here, please do keep supporting those guys, you know, like, Absolutely. You know, um, Absolutely. We're so blessed up here where I moved to Northern California that there are three restaurants that are not vegan restaurants that are offering vegan menus, thanks to the requests and also doing them without sugar, oil, salt. So it can be done. You just have to be diligent. You know, what drives me crazy though, is when you go to a restaurant and you get like, I don't know, like a bowl or a salad and it might have beans or even tempeh or, and then they'll say, you want protein with that? As if, if you don't get animal products, see this, that, that, if I could change that, do you want protein with it? Where's yeah, the yeah. protein? Like they're thinking if you don't order the chicken, the the beef or the, uh, you know, or the fish or, or even cheese that you didn't have protein on your meal. So, so um, th th there's a big PR job that we all need to do for peas. <laughs> that, that, for one of my theories is that, is that the main protein that many of us are going to be living on in the future is peas. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm in Finland at the moment. And one of the things I noticed in uh, in, in many in some of the farm fields that 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 I, that I saw is that there's a huge amount of peas, whereas last year they were growing other things. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the, the markets are already shifting to uh, to uh, grow a, a much increased volume of peas for pea protein, because actually pea protein isn't quite the same density of protein as beef, but it's not far off. I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the vegan bodybuilders are bulking up on pea protein. Interesting. Well, let's let's have peas on earth. Give peas a chance. Here's <laughs> a question from a live viewer. And yeah. um, they're asking, are you pro the killing of 200,000 head of cattle in Ireland? And I Googled it and it said, according to tel the Telegraph, Ireland is reportedly considering killing 200,000 cows in the country to meet the European Union's climate targets. Not everyone is a fan of this method. Oh, OK, so I don't know about that story. Um, I, I would say if I could generalize my answer, when people say, what are you going to do with all the animals? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would say that the transitions we're talking about are not overnight. 
and you know and actually it's about not replacing them you know there, there may be space for you know some or many of them in sanctuaries but that, but actually I, I think in, in in the end it's about managing down that those businesses so that you know down to few or, or, or none uh, I don't know why they would kill those 200,000 animals overnight um I mean I guess the reality is how long are they normally grown for eight months so for me like I need to look it up myself that sounds like a clickbaity story um, well, I mean I googled it and it's saying Elon Musk is again I mean there it's it's apparently it's real and you know um this I mean at least as far as the internet is real. So they said uh, he's, the, the viewer is saying they're doing it in the name of climate change. What do you think of lab grown meat? Um, I don't think it's ever going to be viable. Um, the, re the, reason I, the reason I say that, I mean, I wouldn't eat it. Uh, if someone else wants to eat it, then I wouldn't stop them. That obviously doesn't affect animals. But I think the issue is different, which is that um, the, the, the if you look at the economics of it, I can't see how that that could be done at the scale required um without um at, at the economics required because it has to be grown in a super clean environment like bacteria grows at I, I don't know 10 plus times more faster than animal animal cells so if you don't have almost like a perfectly hygienically clean environment you can't do it um and so i i can see it kind of being the odd PR stunt, you know, whatever. But actually, you know, it's, if, if because of all those costs, electricity costs and all the clean, whatever it is to keep that clean environment means that it costs five times more, 10 times more than, you know, the same thing from a cow. Why would anyone pay that? I just don't see it as ever getting to scale. I think it's much more likely if, if we're, if we're, if we're moving to moving forwards with animal protein, that where the animal protein will come from, is precision fermentation processes um, seem to already be getting traction in Finland, where I am now. Apparently, they're they're, they're already looking at um, like cow's milk that comes from fermentation, so no cow affected at all in its production. So and and the and the and the um, I mean, again, I wouldn't drink it; it would make me ill. But um, you know, uh, I I think it's more likely that those that 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 um, if we, if we do have a diet with animal protein, it's going to come through um, precision fermentation. Do you guys know what it is? It's basically doing uh, modifying the DNA of bacteria to produce a different protein, and um, as as it as it multiplies, uh, like any fermentation process, like you know the fermentation process for beer or or or, or cheese or or yogurt, um, and um, and then um, you know. And then it can produce a different protein and so that doesn't require a big a clean environment it doesn't you know uh, i think it requires some energy and some water and then the question is what are the economics of it like you know it's in big vats it's like big brewing vats you know so it can be done at scale and so on um i don't know if you guys came across that but i i would bet more on that than um lab grown meat well, this is really an interesting conversation it needs to be continued. And there's a wonderful quote or not quote, uh, Rich, who watches the show. Thank you, Rich, almost every day. He's a 72 year old bodybuilder. He says, every time you don't eat meat, you're an activist. Each brick builds the wall. So that's, yeah, true. that's true. We're all doing it. Thank you so much. It was such a, such a pleasure meeting you. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. AJ. Thanks, okay. everyone. All the Thank best. You. Thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time when my guest is a plant-based doctor named Dr. Dawn Musselam. She's an oncologist at the Mayo Clinic, and she herself is a cancer survivor and a heart transplant survivor. And now she's running marathons, and she's here to inspire you. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.